strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And tonight on Notorious Knowledge, I am going to talk to you about Balloon Fest. Ooh, shut up. (laughs) I love a good Balloon Festival. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't have liked this one too much. So, Balloon Fest was in 1986 in Cleveland, Ohio, and was set up by the United Way to be the world record of releasing one and a half million balloons at once. Oh, no, 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 no. It was set up to be this like big promotional event. They were like, going to get in the Guinness Book of World Records, and they were just going to release. 1.5 million I'm sorry, balloons. just like latex balloons, like 11 inch? Or latex the big, okay, okay. helium filled balloons. I thought you meant hot air balloons for a second. No, not hot air balloons. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I take it back then. I take- so, it was intended to be a harmless fundraising publicity stunt, but that isn't exactly no. how it happened. No, no, it's not. So, this stunt was set up by a Los Angeles-based company, and they created this giant structure that would release these balloons. And on Saturday, September 27th, 1986, though there was a rainstorm approaching, they decided that because this rain was coming, they were going to release early. They're like, let's just go ahead and release them early before it starts to rain. So at 1.50 p.m., close to 1.5 million balloons rose up from Cleveland's public square, surrounding the Terminal Tower and surpassing the world record set the previous year by the 31st anniversary of Disneyland. Isn't there an airport in Cleveland? Yes, there certainly (laughs) is. And it would be awesome because we all know that when you release a helium balloon that it goes up in the air and it will stay aloft until it is fully deflated and then will come back down to Earth. However, the balloon fest balloons collided with a cold front of air because of the rain that was coming in. Holy shit. And they just um, couldn't really go up, so they just started to go everywhere. Yeah. And still inflated, they started clogging the land and the waterways and... Just in the days following the event, balloons were reported washed all the way to the Canadian side of Lake Erie. I mean, everyone says don't release a balloon up in the air because they will meet an ocean and a turtle will eat it and a dolphin will eat it. So I've never released a balloon in a very, very long time. I mean, I haven't released a balloon since I was a child. Yeah, exactly. But But. (laughs) two fishermen who had gone out that morning were reported missing by their families on the day of the event. Rescuers spotted their 16-foot boat anchored west of Edgewater Park. A Coast Guard search and rescue helicopter had difficulties reaching the area because of the asteroid field of balloons. (laughs) The search and rescue sucks into their engines. My God! Yeah. Yeah. A search and rescue boat and crew tried to spot the fishermen floating in the lake, but guard officials said the balloons in the water made it impossible to see whether there was anyone there. On September 29th, the Coast Guard suspended its search. The fishermen's bodies were subsequently washed ashore. The wife of one of the fishermen uh, sued the United Way of Cleveland and the company that organized the balloons for $3.2 million and later settled for an undisclosed amount. 
Balloons landed on a pasture in Medina County, Ohio, and spooked the owner's Arabian horses, which allegedly suffered permanent injuries as a result. Oh, my God. The owner also sued the United Way for $100,000 in damages and got some sort of money, but they don't say what. So also, like you said, Robin, the airport may have experienced some difficulties. And the Burke Lakefront Airport had to shut down the runway for a half an hour after the balloons landed there. There were also numerous traffic collisions that were also reported as drivers had to swerve to avoid the slow motion blizzards of multicolored orbs that were in their field of vision throughout the roadways as I mean, they're traveling at high speeds. You see that one like lonely helium balloon that like got like that got let go by accident, you know, and you just see it kind of but when the wind takes it and everyone's just kind of avoiding it, you keep you keep driving. You right. have to. You're not going to stop for a fucking yeah. balloon. Imagine one. How many? One point two million. One point five million. One point five. So here's the thing. I get a lot distracted. Of balloons. It's it's a fucking lot of balloons. I get distracted by like you know sometimes there's a shopping bag like American Beauty style <laughs> on the highway. I can barely stop looking at it. I would have died if I had to drive on this highway, but. The most important thing is the United Way gets to hold the Guinness Book of World Records for 1.5 million balloons being released. Congratulations. No matter how many people die and how many people are inconvenienced. Yay. Congratulations. Go ahead and check out our Patreon. (laughs) Where we have... Where we will not give you 1.5 million balloons, but we will give you... Some stuff. We have some stickers. We have buttons. We have pretty cool swag. We have these great tote bags that are available. They're nice and sturdy and good quality. And they are there for your purchase. So go ahead and check out our patreon.com slash choice narratives. You get two episodes every month extra, some new stuff, whether it is Jen's true crime or my burial ceremonies or whatever, whatever we feel like posting, you go ahead and check that out. And then you also get to hear our weekly episodes three days early. So, again, it's patreon.com slash Notorious Narratives. We also typically put the things up there that um, aren't as palatable for some people. Things like uh, we talk about pulling teeth out of dead people's mouths. But my favorite is you get to listen to our first podcast episode ever. The first one that we ever recorded is for our patrons, listeners only. So go ahead and check that out. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know... Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. What do you have for me tonight, Robin? So our episode today is an Irish mystery. Okay. 
It's called The New Grange Tomb. All right, let's do it. So The New Grange is a Neolithic. That's really old for those of you in the back. <laughs> New Grange is a Neolithic monument that is in the region of the Brunaboink County, Meath, Ireland. Apologies to all of our fine Gaelic listeners. All the Irish out there, I'm sorry, sorry. So sorry. <laughs> We're already so sorry. So the name comes from the newer Grange, which means farm, of the monks of the Melifont Abbey near Drogheda. Although the abbey was closed in 1539, the association of the land with the new farm continued. New Grange was constructed in 3200 BCE, which predates the pyramids of Giza and even Stonehenge. Whoa! The monument is 249 feet across and 39 feet high and covers about an acre of land. Various estimates of the original height of Newgrange has been guessed in recent centuries, with some explorers of the site given estimates as high as 150 feet. The entrance leads to a 62-foot passage which opens to a central chamber with three recesses in the walls at intervals corresponding to the locations of north, west, and south. Excavations of these chambers have discovered human-cremated remains in the west axis. Although New Grange was originally defined as a passage tomb, it seems that it is being recognized more as a religious monument that included the burial of the dead. Every year on the days around the winter solstice, December 21st, the rising sun shines through a roof box above the entrance to illuminate the passage within the west recess, which is located at the back of the central chamber. I love all of the things where they align with the sun at a specific day of the year. You're going to love this. I mean, I love 34th Street in Manhattan in the middle of the (laughs) summer. I saw that once. Where we get the Stonehenge of Manhattan. It's so crazy. Archaeologist Michael J. O'Kelly was the first person in modern time to witness this event on December 21st of 1967. It lasts for about 17 minutes, beginning around 9 a.m. Newgrange was rediscovered in 1699, and the landowner at that time, Charles Campbell, needed some stones and had instructed his workers to carry some away from the monument. This was when the entrance of the tomb was discovered. It sits on top of an elongated ridge within a large bend in the Boyne River, about five miles west town of the Drogheda. This area has some of the greatest Irish history. Legends say that the foundations of Christianity were even laid there. Two miles or so downstream is Old Bridge, where the Battle of the Boyne took place in 1690. So I'm going to get a little into the building or the build of the New Grange. So the tombs and the monument were built between 3300 and 2800 BCE. There was an older structure that was in this area, but it was dismantled and used in early stages of New Grange development. Archaeologists defined different types of tombs by naming them corp tombs, portal tombs, passage tombs, and wedge tombs. The New Grange only has passage tombs, so these builders had a separate tradition than those that build portal or corp tombs. This tradition came first from the western coastline of Europe, specifically from the Iberian Peninsula and Brittany, before it was spread out to Britain and Ireland. This is interesting because the Celts are thought to have arrived in Ireland from the Iberian Peninsula as far back as 500 to 300 BCE, but that was long after the New Grange was even built. So they're doing a burial that comes from an area that the people aren't 
is said to have arrived. So it's like, okay, so the this type of burial seems to come from Spain, the Iberian Peninsula, but those people aren't supposed to be there for another 2,500 years. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> this has led some people to argue that the Celts arrived much earlier than they thought. As, <clears throat> a stable community must have also existed in this region to create such a massive monument. Yeah. They would have been skilled stonemasons with lots of money and spare time and resources to devote to the build. Those stonemasons. The stones that were used were brought from as far as the Wicklow Mountains in country Wicklow, which is about 70 miles south and the Sleeve Crobe Mountains in Country Down, which is located about 67 miles north. And stones were also brought from the Mourne Mountains, which is 59 miles north. And gravel was quarried locally in a pit that is now filled with water. So if all of these locations are so far away, how did they get there? The, builder, the builders would have had to do lots of research to locate the stones that they needed and then move them to the site. All of this would have required lots of manpower, boats, structural instruments, and time. It is said that New Grange has about 200,000 tons of stones. The structure also contains granite and white quartz that can be seen at the front of the monument. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. Got to do it somehow. So the tomb builders fill the gaps between the roof stones in the passage with sea sand and burned soil to keep the passage dry. Many of the large slabs would have been needed to be brought uphill, suggesting again that a highly organized community was behind the construction. It seems that the people of the area dedicated at least 30 years of their lives to build a new grange, probably even more, and that it is almost a constant use as an important ritual center. At one point, there was what is described as a pyramidal-shaped stone in the center of the chamber. Sometime after it was recorded, it disappeared and has never been seen again. Thieves. Stealers. Stealers. Red-handed. Caught. <clears throat> so, for some reason, the monument was abandoned during Ireland's early Ice Age, which was around 3rd century BCE, which followed the arrival of the Celts. For the next 2,000 years, there was not a ritual activity in the area, and the fields were used by farmers such as the monks of the Mellifont Abbey. Considerable damage was also caused to the stones in the chamber, and there is some evidence of visitors since graffiti has also been found. So the monks that they, the monks that are using that, the monks haven't used aren't it the since ones the who 1500. built it. No, but like they're not the ones who built it. They just used yeah. it because it was there. Mm-hmm. Wow! But they apparently weren't really the ones that used it for what it was built for. Right. Which is maybe it was a place of prayer. Maybe it was just some place. Maybe they just saw it and thought it was cool and decided to build their abbey there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, I would definitely want to build my abbey near a pyramid. It's not even a pyramid. Have you looked it up? It's a mound of dirt. The local farmers thought that it was a mound of dirt so they with stones attached to it. So they made their farmers go out there and gather some of those stones and bring it over here. We need (gasps) them. And when they were getting stones away, they found this chamber. It's like, it's just a mound of, of grass and you walk into it and it's 62 feet long and, and so wide. And then they continued to dig up all of the dirt around the area and they found passageways and more artifacts and everything like that. Crazy. It's a giant mound of dirt. It's like, like, honestly, I don't want to sound like fucked up, but it looks like one of our landfills. I know. 
but it, it was all good. I'm saying, growing up as a kid, I used to go through like every pile of dirt and think that I was going to discover like a, a tomb or a chamber. Yeah. Or time. some sort of like growing up in Tennessee, I thought I was going to find like some sort of like amazing Civil War artifact or. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and I've been like, doing this since I was like a small child. Well, it's actually kind of possible since before garbage pickup, people buried their garbage. I know. So, I mean, I found a bike in my backyard under the ground one time. I never found like, a bike. I found a full bike. I used to find buttons a lot. I guess just things that fell off of people. Yeah. But, like, I would just sit in my front yard and dig. Yeah. You never know. So, but more damage was done during the construction of the nearby roads, and many of the stones were removed and used in other construction. In 1993, New Grange and its sister sites, Noth and Doth, were designated a World Heritage Site by UNESCO because of their outstanding cultural legacy. There have been as many as... I can't make it past Noth and Doth. I tried. I tried really hard. They couldn't have done better than that. Noth and Doth. There have been as many as 200,000 visitors to New Grange each year, making it the most visitive archaeological monument in Ireland. So I'm going to talk about... The Great Circle. So there That's is not a Stonehenge. No, 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 no. There is somewhat. There is a somewhat circle that is around the monument, and this is called the Great Circle. It has twelve surviving standing stones around the mound, but it is possible that there could have been at least thirty-five to thirty-eight stones. The Great Circle has an average di- diameter of about three hundred forty feet, which is larger than a diameter of Stonehenge. The stones consist of gray rock, which is a type of sandstone, as well as limestone. So an archaeastronomer. So what is what is an archaeastronomer, so, Robin? All right. So I can get behind underwater archaeology. Yeah. And, and this is this is the archaeologist of, of, of the sky. How do you archaeology stars? So his name is Frank Prendergast. Sure. And he produced data which shows th- that the Great Circle stones were astronomical and calendrical in function. So what this person does for their job is figure out, like he essentially does the star chart in rewind yeah. back to when that happened to see if it lines up with anything. Yeah. That breaks my brain. He probably does the my same brain. thing with the pyramids of Giza too, because apparently they are aligned that, with the with the it, solar system it, it, and stuff it, it, like that. It, 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 yeah, hurts know, my head. Said. Hurts my head. It is believed by some researchers that the color of the sunrise on the morning of the winter solstice was the original inspiration for the name of the hill that sunrise occurs when viewed from Newgrange. That hill is called the Red Mountain. It is also suggested that Venus would have been visible inside the chamber at a certain times during its eight-year cycle. Also, during its 19-year cycle, the moon shares the same declination, and so there could be times during the moon cycle that it, too, could have been seen from inside the chamber. A survey of the roof box, a passage and chamber of Newgrange, was taken in 1972. The winter solstice orientation of the site was the original feature and that they built a monument to maximize the accuracy and the length of the beam entering the chamber, which is exactly what you said earlier before. Apparently, this monument was built around that. Yeah. They found it, they saw it, and they built around it. Newgrange is known as Brew, which is translated to mean mansion. But there is an old Irish word, Brew, which means womb. So could Brew na mean womb of the bright cow or womb of the moon? 
Many researchers have pointed out that the layout of the entrance, passage, and chamber of New Grange has a very, very similar resemblance to the female reproductive organs. So they believe maybe it's the center of the, of, of the womb. If you look up some of the rocks that they found inside, it looks like a female part. Uh, a vagina, Robin? A vagina, no. No, I was like, does it look like a vagina? Does it look like uterus? Does it look like ovaries? Does it look like boobies? It kind of, uh, I think maybe an aerial view might look like uh, a uterus, um, but a close-up picture of um, specific rock formations looks like vagina. So there have been some artifacts and remains that were found inside. The bones of three dogs were found in the chamber during excavations, one from the east and west chambers and one from just outside the end of another chamber. But it could just be stray dogs that got caught in the chamber and couldn't get out, or they could have been some type of sacrifice during that time. A huge number of... I, would, I mean, I would say that if they're in those specific chambers, that there's it's unlikely that they're strays, right? Like, how could one just stray into each of the like locations? It's like, oh, one's in the east, one's in the west, and just one's at the, at the entrance. Maybe that kind of symbolized something. Maybe it was an inverted triangle that they were trying to create, or maybe it was just curious dogs that got loose. They don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. A huge number of unburnt bone fragments were also found. Roughly about 750 unidentified fragments of bone were found. A large phallus-shaped stone was also recovered from an oval-shaped stone setting, which was not far from the entrance. So there's uh, the entrance looks like a vagina. And there's and a big a rock like shaped stone. There's a big rock Venus. And mm-hmm. yeah. some stones that were recovered during excavation were decorative with what is called spirals. Some stones have triple spiral designs, which is evidence of megalithic art. Gold objects were also found, including two ancient gold torques, a golden chain and two rings. They were discovered around 1840 when laborers were digging near the entrance these artifacts can be seen at the British Museum. Several pendants and beads, but that is common for Irish passage graves. Among the stones and marbles, a dumbbell-shaped object was found. There are two conjoined marbles, and they are carved out in a single piece of white chalk. A chisel made from bone was found in these recess, and objects that is called stone lamp resembles a ball-shaped object which was flattened in opposite sides, and the object was made from granite. So there's a whole bunch of different stuff found in these caves. A lot of, a lot of balls. A lot of balls. A lot of balls in two in 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 two forms. Yeah. Conjoined. Yeah. So a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. A phallus mm-hmm. and a vagina. Mm-hmm. Feels very sexual in nature. I'm just saying. And none of the research that I found ever said that it was a cock and balls. <laughs> Not just cock and balls, but it wasn't. Um, was it a fertility monument? Nothing like that. It was but just I mean, this thing knows? that they found. But yeah. it seems very weird. It's like the that. winter solstice, and you get the moonlight just exactly. right. And like, hey, hey, when like the moon is showing through here, we should go get at it. Or when Venus is showing, we should go show our bit. Exactly. Hey, I don't know. Between between Seems very fertility driven. Yeah, exactly. Between the sunrise in the chamber, the moon being 
being visible and Venus being uh, visible, the way that the entire monument reflects the anatomy of a woman, and then the phallic-shaped, ball-shaped kind of artifacts that have been found. I'm just saying. In my mind, it's fertility. Yeah. I mean, even if but the balls no, aren't like... No testicular to be in nature then no. they're like egg-like or ovarian like you know what i mean like there's multiple types of like no but every ball that's been found was they're always a, joined she together join marbles yeah it's like oh we have we found we found this artifact it's two conjoined balls and oh, we found this artifact is two conjoined balls we found this giant rock that's phallic shape oh look at these two rocks that that's a vagina I mean, there's just, there's a lot of sexual innuendo happening here. Absolutely. And I didn't really find any information about it being that kind of thing. Well, here are notorious narratives. We have decided. I have decided. Yeah. We have decided it is a fertility chamber. I've decided that it's a fertility chamber with all this moons and mother moon and someone's wind being blown or princess and something. And and Venus and something's going on. And balls, I don't know, things are happening. So the question of who built it and why still consumes many archaeologists. A tomb such as this would lead people to believe that it was destined as a final resting place of a leader. But the absence of that kind of evidence, like we see in Egyptian tombs and all that kind of stuff, we don't have any evidence of of anything like that. But we do have evidence of it being a little bit more different. And I think I, it's very possible that it was a fertility chamber. And it's pretty cool. And then the next round of people who were there, because you said, like, the Ice Age came, and different people began to, like, be in that area. Yeah. So I think that, like, you know, somebody abandons this crazy structure. They used it for fertility, clearly. Some sort or, of or genitalia. Vice versa. And then, or vice versa. Because they did find some know. remains I, I of human cremated bones. There's cremation evidence in there along with artifacts so what is that i'm saying that in the order that they happen yeah fertility chamber next batch people come in and they're like oh we just have this like crazy big space we should cremate people in there Mm -hmm. because it's just convenient and then the monks took over and then finally a farmer dug up some stones stones and found an entrance and then that was everything that's my theory i really do think it was a fertility i really do i mean i i i'm I have a tendency to agree with you. That's our armchair archaeology for this evening. I mean, it makes sense. So that is the story of Newgrange, one of Ireland's mysterious legends. Just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.